millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into World Soccer Talk Soccer Morning. We are ready to go. We are live. It is happening in your eardrums right this second. Soccer, soccer, soccer. More soccer than you could possibly handle. Maybe not. Maybe one of those people that can process all of the soccer. There was MLS. There was Gold Cup. There was NWSL. There was NASL. There was... My voice is going out because there's so much soccer. I'm trying to get myself together. I moved this weekend. Like, I actually moved myself. Like, I put all my stuff in a truck and drove the truck somewhere else and then unloaded it all. So that was my weekend. Trying to catch up on all the soccer myself today. Plenty to talk about. Plenty of storylines. Plenty of intrigue, both internationally and on the club level. Uh, Internationally, we're going to talk to Eric Gomez, who covers... Mexican soccer, longtime friend of the show. He'll join us in a couple of minutes because Mexico did not play well yesterday and they drew with Guatemala. They did not score a goal. They took a bunch of shots and they did not score a goal. And uh, it's an interesting time in the CONCACAF region. We'll get to some comments that uh, that, uh, Miguel Herrera had after that game uh, in relation to the state of soccer in CONCACAF because the United States... They didn't impress through two games, although they won both of them, didn't drop points, booked their place into the quarterfinals, are going to win Group A. Mexico, by the way, has a lot to play for in their final group match. Trinidad and Tobago is leading the group. That's who Mexico plays in the final group match. It's going to be fascinating. Fascinating. Here are your your Gold Cup results as we dive straight into the headlines on a Monday. By the way, thank you very much for listening to Soccer Morning. Trinidad Tobago beat Cuba 2-0. So they take the lead in Group C. Mexico draws with Guatemala, as I mentioned. So now uh, Mexico behind Trinidad and Tobago in Group C. Those are games from Sunday. Both of those games happening yesterday. You go back to Friday, the United States beating Haiti 1-0. Not exactly a... A uh, prodigious performance from the Americans, but they get the job done. I suppose that's the way to look at it. We are certainly holding them up to a different standard than just getting the results, especially considering this tournament looks like it's going to throw up some some interesting things down the line. In Group B, on Saturday, Jamaica beating Canada 1-0 on a, on a stoppage time goal, just a heartbreaker for the Canadians. Brian Ruiz scores... And uh, Correa scores for El Salvador as Costa Rica draws with El Salvador 1-1. So you're in Group B right now. You have Jamaica on four points, Costa Rica and El Salvador on two. Both of them zero in the goal differential category. Canada bringing up the, the rear on one point. So your final group stage matches in Group B happen tomorrow. Jamaica with a chance to close out the group if they can beat El Salvador. Meanwhile, Costa Rica takes on Canada. Costa Rica wins. El Salvador, or sorry, Costa Rica wins. Jamaica draws or loses. We could have a tiebreaker there. 
for the top spot. And remember, all of this stuff leads into the quarterfinals. Right now, the only team to have booked their place for the quarterfinals is the United States of America uh, by virtue of winning Group A. They will play in Baltimore on Saturday against the third-place team from either Group C or Group B. So there you go. That could potentially be uh, any number of teams, including Guatemala, potentially Mexico, but very unlikely. Guatemala would have to beat Cuba. Mexico would have to lose. It would be a thing. The goal differential would have to turn around a lot for Guatemala to jump over Mexico. Uh, In Group B, could be either Costa Rica or El Salvador who finishes in third, or conceivably Canada. Still, still, still up in the air. The Gold Cup is just wacky right now. In the club side of things, Liverpool has agreed to sell Raheem Sterling to Manchester City for £49 million. The transfer still subject to contract negotiations between the player and the club and uh, the the um, the medical that has to happen, of course, as well. But this looks to be done. The saga of Raheem Sterling leaving Liverpool seems to be over. And now Manuel Pellegrini has the the task of trying to get the most out of the young English player. Manchester United signed Bastian Schweinsteiger. That happened over the weekend. The uh, 30-year-old German international, obviously one of the best uh, midfield players in the world for uh, for quite some time. Uh, Louis van Gaal knows him from his time at Bayern Munich, and he should make the Manchester United team uh, a little stronger heading into 2015-2016. Let's turn to MLS because there certainly was a lot to talk about in the MLS world. Montreal beating Columbus 3-0 at home. Damaduro with two goals. Dallas taking down Orlando 2-0. No Kaka means no goals for Orlando, although they did have one, I think, incorrectly ruled offside. Philadelphia 3, Portland nothing. A surprise there at PPL Park. Portland's uh, one of the hotter teams in the league. Come to a screeching halt against the Union New York. Red Bulls rampant over New England 4-1. Bradley Wright Phillips scores twice. Lloyd Sam scores. It's a a romp for the Red Bulls, who uh, took an early lead and never looked back against New England, who has now lost five in a row. Houston, two. San Jose, zero. That was your Friday result. Chicago gets a late winner from Jason Johnson and beats Seattle for the first time ever. one nothing at Toyota Park. Colorado, three. RSL, one. So the Rapids have a winning streak for the first time in 2015, and RSL looks to be collapsing. Then your thriller on Sunday, New York City FC 4, Toronto FC 4, Sebastian Chavinko scores a first-half hat trick. There were four penalties called in that game, two of them converted. It was uh, quite the day out at uh, Yankee Stadium uh, for those two teams in an eight-goal thriller. And then last night, Sporting Kansas City gets a goal from Kevin Ellis and beats Vancouver 1-0. Right now, for my money, Sporting Kansas City, best team in MLS. Let's look at the NWSL results, especially coming off of the U.S. win in the World Cup. What kind? Of, what could this mean? The results on the field. Uh, you had Sky Blue FC beating Portland one nothing on Saturday. Seattle Rain winning four two over the Western New York Flash on Saturday. Yesterday's game, uh, Chicago Red Stars beating Houston Dash one nothing. Now on the in the stands, you certainly saw a bump. The Euro, the World Cup. Carried over. Houston had 13,000 out for their match against Chicago. Seattle got 5,700, which was an attendance record for them as well. Sky Blue FC had 3,000, which is double their usual average of about 1,200. So good stuff from uh, those teams in terms of attendance uh, coming off of the World Cup. Steven Gerrard made his debut for the LA Galaxy this weekend. It was in a friendly against Club America. Galaxy won. The real story out of that game was that insane, absolutely filthy touch from Robbie Keane to score the LA Galaxy opener. Frank Lampard's uh, debut for NYCFC will be delayed. He had a training a training ground injury, which pushes back his debut. He obviously did not play in that 4-4 draw this weekend. And Orlando owner Flavio De Silva says the club still remains hopeful of signing Chicharito Hernandez. We had heard last week that perhaps that deal was... Uh, kaput based on the salary demands of Javier Hernandez, but uh, De Silva saying it's still out there. It's still a possibility. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk Gold Cup 
We'll talk Chicharito. We'll talk Giovanni Dos Santos. We'll do it all with our friend Eric Gomez. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. It's Monday. I am excited. Come right back. This Saturday, the U.S. men's national team will play in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup and will be two steps away from reaching the final for the sixth consecutive tournament. Soccer Morning listeners, I'd like to invite you to join me as I'll be sharing my thoughts and opinions during the game live on Rabble.tv. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. With Rabble, you can listen to my broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in, too, by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Will Jurgen Klinsmann be able to get this U.S. team firing in all cylinders again? Find out this Saturday, July 18th at 5 p.m. Eastern, and cheer on the red, white, and blue with me live on Ravel.tv. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we are on a Monday talking soccer on Soccer Morning. Imagine how that works. It could be talking football on Soccer Morning, or I guess I could have called it Football Morning and whatever. It doesn't matter. We're here. We're talking about this sport that we all love. And the man on the line with me now is Eric Gomez. Um, He is going to talk to us about Mexico and Mexican topics. Eric, how are you today? Doing great. It's uh, it's good to have you. Uh, let's start with what happened yesterday in Phoenix, Mexico zero, Guatemala zero. I guess I should preface this by saying that I think we're all aware that if you have any understanding of how Concacaf works, and you saw that scoreline today, and you had seen none of the match, your natural assumption would be, oh, well, Guatemala just kicked Mexico in the shins for ninety minutes, and that's how they got their draw. Am I wrong to think that if I if I hadn't seen the game? I think you would both you would both of these people in the um in the hypothesis would be correct. I mean <laughs> I saw a lot of tweets um brandishing some of my explanations, some of my thoughts, some of my other colleagues' thoughts as mexcuses, which is cute, but is also <laughs> somewhat accurate. And then, you know, you would also have to have watched the game from a neutral perspective and see that Carlos Villa was fouled over 10 times uh, yesterday to, to find out what Guatemala's game plan was all about. I absolutely do think that um, Guatemala did not have a, um, a secondary plan in, in that game. Their, their, their entire strategy was to go out there and just hack Carlos Vela to pieces, um, frustrate Mexico in front of goal, and if we can get a counterattack a la Chelsea versus Barcelona 2012, then so be it. We'll, we'll take advantage of that. Uh, they did have a couple of chances in front of goal, so you definitely have to give them props for that. But other than that, it was just a um, a very ugly, ugly, ugly soccer match. Again, I mean, this is the way CONCACAF tends to work when you have some of the smaller uh, countries going up against the, the giants of the region. Um, it's, it is it is a tried-and-true formula. I don't want to get into... I mean, I don't know if I want to get into the philosophy of it necessarily, Eric. It's just the way things are. I mean, as you said, some people want to call it excuses. I think the the right and wrong assessment is that this is the wrong way to play, and yet we don't have referees in this region that are going to clamp down, change a game in the first 10, 15 minutes, and actually lead to a possibility of actual soccer being played. Absolutely, and I think... That unfortunately, that has to do with the region from which we select our referees and then the sub regions that we select our referees for those games. I honestly don't understand why, <clears throat> if you have three regions, uh, you would just go out of your way to pick somebody from that third region um, to, to ref that game. You know, meaning you have a, a Mexico versus Guatemala, you have a North American team against a Central American team. We'll just, you know, pick a Caribbean referee. I think that's. Um, that's a little bit uh, too logical for CONCACAF. And I do think that when you get teams like Guatemala who are hungry for any type of result, especially after what happened to them in their first game against Trinidad, then you definitely get this type of match. And Mexico should have gone into it expecting Guatemala to just hack away. We did see 
more or less this strategy from Guatemala <clears throat> May 30th when they when they played a friendly. So it's not like you were going into this game blind. And Miguel Herrera, I mean, he's just that Cuba game was was probably just the eye of the hurricane because he's back in into the storm right now and he's really struggling with with the press with the fans. And you know, to be with to be at this point with four points and um, and you know not in first place. And potentially facing a team that could also employ that very same strategy, and you were not able to overcome that strategy, you know, three days ago. What makes you think that mm-hmm. against bigger, stronger, uh, faster players like Trinidad and Tobago, Tobago have, what makes you think that you're going to be able to overcome it this time? So Miguel Herrera does have a lot of a, a lot of um, really interesting uh, points to look at from that game last night. Talking to Eric Gomez, you can follow him on Twitter at Eric Gomez eighty six. I highly suggest you do so now. You talked about Carlos Vela being uh, being hacked all over the place, fouled ten times, um, and, and the, the little danger that Guatemala seemed to even want to uh, uh, try to impose on Mexico because they came into that match with that attitude. Now, when Mexico goes into this next match against Trinidad and Tobago with everything to play for in terms of their group standing and getting, I mean, they have to get a point to to make sure that they're into the the knockout rounds. I mean, where is confidence at this point? Because you mentioned Cuba. They scored six goals, but they also missed a ton of chances and took 44 shots. Right, and that's endemic of Mexico in general. I and mean, Anybody who's watched um, Mexico versus the USA over, over the years has been aware of a, a very, very common storyline, which is Mexico dominates. Mexico gets in front of goal, and whether it's Tim Howard or Brad Guzan or Nick Raimondo or anybody, the shots seem to keep sailing over the bar or, you know, your goalkeeper makes stellar saves and then out of nowhere, boom, you know, you get on that counterattack and you score against Mexico and then it all falls apart. Dos Acero, we all know the storyline there. That's the same thing that, that these Central American teams, these CONCACAF teams in general, have been trying to do to Mexico <clears throat> for the last few years. And we saw it happen in the Chepo de la Torre era in 2013. You know, Mexico is not able to win at home during that hex um, outside of the game against Panama, which is just absolutely mind-numbing when you think about it. And now it's coming back. It's coming back, and Miguel Herrera has to learn from history, and he has to do it quickly, and he has to find out whether he has to go back to his 5-3-2, whether he sticks with the 4-4-2, or he migrates to a 4-3-3. So, you know, to think about confidence going into Trinidad and Tobago, it's got to be lessened. But it also, you know, it can't be gone. You can't go into that match thinking, oh, my God, I mean, I need to get at least a point from this. Otherwise, I'm toast. You need to go in there thinking that you're going to win because you're the better team. But uh, if you're taking 44 shots or if you're taking 16, 17 shots the way they, they did against Guatemala and you don't score, then it's going to be hard to beat anybody, really. Uh, Mexico, a little bit like your volume right now, Eric. It's all over the place. I apologize uh, for that. We'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. Um, you know, uh, so Piel after the game said something to the effect, and I'm, you know, obviously this is through a translator, and, and I'm paraphrasing because I've only seen it once this morning, and I don't have the story up in front of me. But he essentially said that the uh, era of giants in Concacaf is over, um, and I, I take that to mean he thinks that that uh, Panama and Guatemala and Honduras and and I guess Costa Rica, although they've they've established themselves for a while now, have have caught up with Mexico and the United States, and that these teams won't dominate anymore. I think that this is more about the about Mexico right now and the United States right now and Costa Rica, by the way, who hasn't impressed, than it is about anybody else. Right, and I think that that has been a common refrain for Mexican journalists, for Mexican fans, and for Mexican players. I think uh, over the course of the last, the last five years, um, to think that Mexico is going to dominate every last one of the tournaments the Concacaf organizes at this point is, is a folly. And Mexico has taken some time to realize that, but they finally gotten to that <clears throat> to that point. And I think that's where that whole giant thing comes into play. You know, if we want to lump in the U.S. and Costa Rica into this discussion, I think that it's fair to do so. But as many people pointed out to me on Twitter, you know, as if I could not um, follow along with the Gold Cup, the U.S. has won both of their games. And I understand that. And that's going to breed some sort of confidence. But what's not going to breed confidence is just <clears throat> the style of play that we've seen from all three of those mm-hmm. aforementioned teams so far. Costa Rica has been, I mean, not even a shell of what we saw in the World Cup. Uh, the United States has a lot of question marks, <clears throat> starting with 
their you know their defensive unit. Ventura Alvarado is one of those guys that, that comes to mind. And then Mexico is obviously um, you know going through this rough back again where they won only one of their last nine games. Yeah. yeah. So they need to get on that confidence track um, quicker rather than later because when we get to the quarterfinals, then you're you know you're in danger of actually losing a game and, and being kicked out. So. Hey, hey, Eric, we're we're getting like some sort of uh, some sort of fireworks show on your line. It's it's quite the it's quite the audio uh, uh, sh- thing happening here. So what we're, what we're gonna do is take a quick break, reconnect with Eric Gomez, continue this discussion because I think it's uh, certainly one worth having. So just hold on one second. Technical di- difficulties pop up. It's Skype. You deal with it. Stay right there. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, we've reestablished contact with our man in Mexico, Eric Gomez. We're talking CONCACAF. We're talking um, about the giants of CONCACAF, or certainly the United States and Mexico, but you can uh, throw Costa Rica in based on uh, their performance at the World Cup and, and, and the, the quality that they've shown the last couple of years. Now, uh, Eric, when we, when we talk about these three teams, the, the, the thing that has changed, okay, Mexico had a, a difficult qualification campaign, but went to the World Cup and, and acquitted themselves quite well. Uh, the United States has had Jurgen Klinsmann in place since 2011 to whatever effectiveness you want to, to deem it. Uh, Costa Rica's gone through a coaching change, so they have some sort of excuse here. I'm not sure that the other two do. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either, and I think that, that the fact that Jorge Luis Pinto uh, the former Costa Rica manager is now with Honduras and, and seeing the change of attitude that that team has had. Um, you, I think, unfortunately, a lot of the credit has to go to him. And um, what Costa Rica is doing now is kind of inversely proportional to what they were doing under Pinto. So, you know, good luck with that. Um, when it comes to the United States and Mexico, you know, you mentioned that they have the <clears throat> the same managers. They're going through the same process. Um and they're undergoing, I would say, a, just a light change in terms of the generational status of their players. You know, there's really no excuse to say, well, Miguel Herrera play and had Mexico playing so well during 2014. <clears throat> Why isn't that happening 12 months later? Ditto Klinsman. And I think it has to do with that giant status or, or the mentality <clears throat> with which some of these teams go into the Gold Cup. They think that you know, at least the group stage is going to be okay. And um, and then they're going to have a little bit of resist- resistance from the teams that they face. That has not been the case uh, during the 2015 Gold Cup. And I, I think that it has to do with, with the groups themselves. Uh, the, Eric, yeah. uh, so Wednesday, yeah. uh, let's come back to Mexico. Wednesday, Trinidad and Tobago. Again, a game that, that you don't... I mean, the United States is going to go into the third match against Panama with no, with nothing to play for, really. I mean, they're going to want to keep their confidence up. We'll see Klinsman right. rotate out a little bit ahead of Saturday. Uh, but Herrera's got to play a team that's going to go out and get a victory. Do you expect changes? Yep. Do you expect... I mean, it's again, it's not as though they're not creating the chances. It's that they're not putting them away. What do you expect to see? Well, first and foremost, I expect the fans to get their money's worth because, you know, you play out there with the B team. Uh, for that third match, I think there's going to be a, a, more than a few people who are not too happy with that. So at least from the fan perspective, you're going to get Mexico's best. And you're going to get a Trinidad and Tobago team, which has been you know, very good over the course of these uh, first two games. Um, so you're going to get a team that is a little bit more confident. And you're going to um, get, I mean, as long as Mexico scores within that first 15, 20 minute time frame, then it's going to get a lot more tense for them as they move on. And I think that's what Herrera is trying to avoid. We saw that against Guatemala as well. Against Cuba, they scored, I think the first goal was in the 17th minute. And against Guatemala, I, you know, the, I would say that they were just absolutely neutralized offensively during the first 15 minutes. So it just got more and more tense from there. You know, yeah, there was a uh, handball that was not called, et cetera, et cetera, but they were still just very, very, nervous in front of goal when they play Trinidad and Tobago I expect them to change their tactics a little bit you know slightly not go back to that 5-3-2 uh, 
but at least something is a little bit more pleasing to the eye. I don't think that they can go into that game expecting to be scored on. They just have to go in there, dominate possession as they have, and get in front of goal, you know, um, whether it's 44 chances, 17 chances, whether it's five, it doesn't matter. They just need to practice. They need to clear their minds, and they just need to get that first one into the net. It's uh, it's been a fascinating Gold Cup to this point, although um, you know, not for I don't know if it's for the for the right reason. Certainly, we haven't seen a ton of of exciting play. Uh, Mexico dropped six on on Cuba, which uh, it turns out was not necessarily indicative of where things stand. The United States struggling a bit, although they've won twice. Right. As we talked about Costa Rica, um, if you had to handicap things at, at this point, I mean, I, so much to ter- so much is to, to be determined based on where teams fall in in, in the in the knockout rounds and who they face in the quarters that maybe it's almost impossible. We know the United States is going to play somebody because they won Group A. They'll be in Baltimore. That's all we know. Right. At this point, I think that CONCACAF is getting a little bit nervous because they, you know, they always do this. They make it so that Mexico and the United States will play each other in the final, nowhere else. And now I think with Costa Rica, they were, they were kind of, um, they were excited at the possibility of having a semifinal with three of those four teams involved. That might not happen now, and and we might get a quarterfinal match that uh, makes a little, you know, somebody over at Concacaf a little bit nervous, and maybe somebody in, at the Mexican Federation or the Costa Rican Federation nervous. So that's definitely something to watch out for. And uh, I would expect, you know, I, I still expect these three teams to get out of their groups easily. Sure. Well, obviously, the United States has done so already, but Mexico, you know, they they're going to win that game against Trinidad and Tobago. There's no doubt in my mind because. They usually do their best when they're up against the wall and um, and everybody's kind of on their back. I think they felt some of that pressure relieved after the Cuba game. Costa Rica is a different story, but they they have the individual talent, they have the skill level to win that group regardless. So I expect you know guys like Brian Reese and Joel Campbell to go out there and show what they're made of. I mean, I know that now with Taylor Navas out of the, out of the picture for them, it's been difficult uh, defensively. But uh, they've got a great team. So I think this is a hiccup. This will be a bump in the road. This will be just a small anecdote as we, as we look back on, on the 2015 Gold Cup and we'll still get the matches that you know, we're, quote, mm-hmm. supposed to get uh, from the semifinals on. And, uh, you know, Mexico is just one of those teams that we'll have to keep our eyes on, uh, specifically as it relates to their offensive woes. Otherwise, it's just going to be very, very nerve-wracking for them. Ninety minutes at a time as we as we move forward. Uh, yeah, I think the smart money is on for nor- for normal service to be resumed at some point. But right. uh, and you sort of talked about it. I mean, the, there is a chance here. Let's say Trinidad and Tobago manages to get a point off of Mexico. That means Trinidad and Tobago wins the group. Mexico probably finishes in second. I don't see any reason why uh, any reason to expect that they won't. That means they would go in against the uh, the Group B runner up. That could very well be. Costa Rica, and you could have a quarterfinal right. matchup between Mexico and Costa Rica that nobody saw coming. So that, it remains, uh, it, we should keep an eye on it. Let's turn to a couple of Mexican internationals who are still in the news based on their potential destinations. Uh, those destinations maybe being MLS. I don't think there's anything new on Giovanni Dos Santos except that the numbers have maybe, maybe slightly changed. I know Medio Tiempo has reported, been the most recent to report that he's done, uh, in, he's going to L.A., and we would get a, a post-Gold Cup announcement. Is that still what's your understanding? That's what the FMF and Giovanni's management team, um, concretely his father, have been haggling about over the last uh, few days. I think that there's somebody in the MLS camp who wants to make it official ASAP, and uh, the FMF does not want that distraction. Uh, they want their players talking about the Gold Cup. They want their players talking about the next match. And uh, if you know Giovanni's already fielding questions about about the Galaxy, but it, you know what I can tell you is that those questions are getting some disapproving looks from the <laughs> FMF officials uh, at this point. So they're kind of being encouraged not to ask. Um, so, you know, there's been a couple of people who have actually told me, well, maybe this is the reason why Giovanni hasn't been getting minutes, um, <laughs> over the course of the group stage at the gold cup, which I think is ridiculous, but still, um, there's, there's a, a bit of a haggle there. Giovanni Dos Santos will announce that he's a, uh, Los Angeles galaxy players probably later rather than sooner, as soon as Mexico's gold cup campaign campaign ends, that's when it'll go down. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, Chicharito Hernandez, Chicharito Hernandez, I think, is a um, an interesting story because Orlando is kind of clinging to this hope that they'll be able to sign him <clears throat> regardless of what it costs them. And that's a very enticing proposition for Javier. But I also think that um, discussions have kind of heated up with Liverpool. Discussions have kind of heated up a couple of other places in Europe. And I don't think that, you know, Giovanni's being a bit of a, uh, a test subject right now for other players. I don't think that Chicharito would relish this negative attention that's coming from Mexican fans. Hmm. Um, as soon as they found out that Giovanni was, was maybe going to MLS, I mean, it's just been hell in the handbasket. It's been an absolutely mm-hmm. uh, adverse reaction, and, and I don't think that Javier would, would relish that even for six months. Well, certainly um, <clears throat> Javier Hernandez has more to lose um, marketing-wise than Giovanni Dos Santos does. <laughs> He's a much bigger figure in that regard, so it could it could hurt him if he gets the negative backlash from joining MLS. Um, but if uh, what are, the other possibilities on the table for Chicharito, uh, this Sevilla situation that's, that's changed, last I heard, he was uh, a serious target. Well, you know, they did sign uh, Cheeto Immobile right now from Borussia Dortmund um, on a loan deal. So that very well could end their their search for a striker. But, you know, if they're looking for somebody to fill in uh, that Carlos Baca void permanently, then Javier is a, a, a great option because he's a, he's a cheap option at this point. I mean, I've been hearing everything around 8 million pounds to 9 million pounds at, at the most. Uh, for a player of his quality, I don't think that's a, a very, very large amount of money. Um, even then, uh, Sevilla is an option, and I know that he would like to remain in Spain. But even if he goes back to England uh, to play for Liverpool, would just be an amazing story for him, and would be kind of a uh, you know kind of a uh, a tense storyline between Manchester United and Liverpool, and who knows what that would do to the fans there. Um, but it would be a great opportunity for redemption for him and uh, maybe show a couple of people that they were wrong in their assessment of him. So I do know that he relishes that chance as well. So we'll have to wait and see. I do think that this will go down to the wire. Um, you know, it'll test Orlando's patience. And if they want to be there for the majority of the European signing window, then they'll have to be there. Um, otherwise, if Javier sees that there are no other options available to him that really kind of um, – meet his expectations, then he'll probably go to MLS on a loan deal and try to go back to Europe in the winter. Hmm. What would you imagine? I mean, this is pure speculation, I think, but what would you imagine the reception would be on Mercy's side if he showed up in a Liverpool shirt? Oh, man. I mean, it would just be terrible. Um, uh, For Manchester United fans in general, who are Mexican, English, no matter what nationality, it would be a, a very difficult thing to see, but I think that Mexico's behind Chicharito, and I think that we've seen him struggle for so long that, you know, I think most people would just be happy to see him wearing any shirt that guarantees him first-team play and is in that European setting. So, yeah, there would be kind of a mixed reaction, but I think overall you would still have that, that positive feeling toward him. Let's uh, let's turn to uh, to, me- to domestic things, uh, club things in Mexico. Uh, well, it's an international competition, but it's a, a domestic club. Uh, Tigres in the Copa Libertadores with an opportunity to go to a final. Uh, when what's the situation there, and uh, how uh, how do you rate their chances? Well, they've got a uh, home and away against uh, Internacional de Porto Alegre, uh, July 14, July 22. Um, you know, Tigres made a lot of headlines over, over the late spring, early summer by signing, you know, Andre Guignac, uh, Ike Uche from Villarreal. They brought back, uh, Javier Aquino from Villarreal. They signed Jurgen Dom, one of the, the top rated Mexican players in the game right now, who's a, just a 20, 21, 22 year old winger. <clears throat> so they're pretty much armed to the teeth and their, their only mission here is to win the Copa Libertadores, become that first Mexican team to ever win Copa Libertadores. They've got a pretty good chance. I mean, this inter team is no pushover. They're a very, very balanced side. They've got a few uh, recognizable names like Andres de Alessandro, uh, but but it's it's just going to be an all-out brawl because <clears throat> on one hand you've got this team that has been just signing players left and right, uh, but they've never had a chance to play together. So how does that come into play during a you know continental cup semifinal? I still think that it's very, very strange that the, you know, Commonwealth allows teams to just get stronger and stronger as right. you move towards <laughs> the end of the competition. Yeah. But uh, that only that can only play in Tita's favor. 
So it's just going to be a, a, a very interesting couple of matches. I expect the Utahs to win. I expect them to get into the final, and then you know after that, it's just a it's it's a crapshoot uh, depending on on who they get on the other side. Because Conmebol, as we all, I mean, it's if it's tough to win in Concacaf with those refs. It's even harder to win Conorball with those reps. Yeah, so it's it, going to be very interesting. A couple of completely unpredictable throws up uh, sort of the odd champion uh, fairly regularly. You got uh, on the other side River Plate, which everybody who everybody knows, and then Gorani from from Paraguay, which I, I I'm just not familiar with that club. I'm not big on my Paraguay sides, uh, Eric, <laughs> and I'm sure they're strong. I mean they. They actually came into the uh, knockout phase ranked 13th out of 16 teams yeah. and, and produ- uh, progressed past Corinthians and, and Rossing Santander. So, or, yeah. uh, Rossing uh, Club of, of Argentina, excuse me, I uh, got that wrong. So, uh, so they've, they've, they've earned their place here. And meanwhile, River Plate, last ranked club in the knockout round, they, have yeah. pers- they got past Boca because of that, uh, that gas incident. And then, well, they, they, they were leading in that, in that tie, but, uh, they they got uh, a benefit from that game being suspended in the second leg, and then beat Cruzeiro. So um, this is interesting. Uh, the the element of teams getting stronger and stronger as the as the tournament goes on is, is fascinating as well. If I'm not mistaken, is the last time a Mexican club was in the final was that uh, was that Guadalajara? Or am I wrong about that? Yeah, yeah, they were in the final. They were they were pretty much trounced. Uh, I believe it was Inter actually. Uh, yeah, Inter of Brazil who. Who completely um, wiped them out in the final, and then you had uh, Cruz Azul doing it in 2001 against Boca, and they lost in the uh, in the penalty shootout. So, I mean, if River if River Plate gets into that final, anything is possible. And I say this because River Plate is one of the biggest teams in South America and maybe the world. So, you know, whether it's on the pitch or on the table, it's going to be that much harder for Tigres to win. Um, if it's Guarani, then I think that they have a fair shot because Cotton Bowl would be somewhat happy to give the trophy to a team that took the competition seriously from end to end. Uh, Tigres has been signing these players in order to win the Copa Libertadores, and I think that it's going to boost, uh, you know, the TV ratings in South America, regardless uh, of it being a Mexican team in the final. But, you know, still, they have to get through the semifinals first. They've got a, a very difficult task in front of them. And uh, we'll see. We'll we'll check back after July twenty second. Yep, absolutely. Eric Gomez, Eric Gomez eighty six on the Twitters. Go follow him and do it right now. It's an imperative. I uh, I command you, Eric. Appreciate the time. Good stuff. I'm glad you uh, held on through the technical difficulties, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. I expect my uh, thousand new followers within the next hour. A Thank thousand, you so much, Jason. Please, like uh, like <laughs> I have that sort of clout. Let's uh, take a break. When we come back. We will take your phone calls here on Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. This Saturday, the U.S. men's national team will play in the quarterfinals of the Gold Cup and will be two steps away from reaching the final for the sixth consecutive tournament. Soccer Morning listeners, I'd like to invite you to join me as I'll be sharing my thoughts and opinions during the game live on Rabble.tv. With Rabble.tv, the concept is simple. All you have to do is tune into the broadcast on TV, press the mute button, and then head on over to Rabble.tv to listen to me sharing my analysis. With Rabble, you can listen to my broadcast on your desktop, through your iOS app, and now through your mobile browser. You can join in too by posting your questions or observations in the comments section. Will Jurgen Klinsmann be able to get this U.S. team firing in all cylinders again? Find out this Saturday, July 18th at 5 p.m. Eastern and cheer on the red, white, and blue with me live on Rabble.tv. To Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. We are back on Soccer Morning. Boom. Phone lines are open. 646-832-3909. 646-832-3909. Don't cost you nothing if you got free long distance. 
which we all do, right? That's a thing that people like. Is there is people still like have long distance plans like AT and T or or didn't Sprint start out as a long distance company a long long time ago? MCI that was a thing, right? MCI was a thing, and people had long distance plans, and you had to like pick one or something. That's not a, there's no more paying for long distance, right? Because everything's all phones are equal, basically. Like we don't when you move from one city to another city or across a country, you don't change your phone number to the new place, right? You just keep your old number. Like I I know so many people living in the DC area. I know so many people with wacky area codes on their phone numbers that I don't even know. I have no idea where they're from. No, but it doesn't matter because your phone saves the number. You don't have to remember it. I, I don't know. I'm just you know, Nobody's calling long distance. 646-832-3909. Jump on in because the United States plays Panama tonight in a game that doesn't really matter. And now Yuri Klinsman has questions because he has to balance out not only getting some rhythm going ahead of the quarterfinals on Saturday, but also resting strategic players or not resting. Like, is Clint Dempsey back in the lineup tonight? Because you've got five days until you're playing on Saturday, and that's okay. You can re- you can rest up. Get You, you know, you're going to be moving from, you're going to be flying from uh, from one place to another. Got to get to Baltimore. But other than that, it should be fairly... Fairly easy to recover, I would imagine. And how much is it? How important is it for the United States to put in a good performance? If they win one nothing again and don't play well, I I don't I don't know. How do we feel about this? And again, just in in, in the context of that conversation that we just had. With our man Eric Gomez, have the Giants taken a uh, have has everybody taken a step towards the Giants, the whales of Concacaf, or has have the whales taken a step back? Roberto in Connecticut, what's up, my friend? You know something, Jason? I'm actually a bit more nervous speaking to you than I did when I spoke to Clinton Friday night. <laughs> yeah, you covered that game up in uh, up at Foxborough. How was that experience? Oh, it was great. Great experience. I met some of your friends from um, Soccer Morning. Um, yeah, it was all great. It was all great. Good match. We'd love to do it again in the future. Well, the match was terrible. Come on. Don't lie, Roberto. That was a terrible match from a United <laughs> States perspective anyway. Uh, it was it was stingy. I'll tell you that. Very stingy from the United States midfield and defense for that matter. But yeah, um, I suggested the question to Klinsman asking about that question. You mentioned um, rest players. And I mentioned that he's going to rest Guzan uh, tonight. He says most likely not. Yeah. Um, who do you think should be get rested tonight, in your opinion? Who should be rested? I mean, I think you could afford. You could obviously afford to sit Michael Bradley. I don't know that the rest does him. I, I don't know how I feel about Michael Bradley resting. Is is that is that a good thing for him? I mean, we certainly saw him kind of run out of his shoes last year at the World Cup, and it didn't it didn't turn out well. But he's also a player I think that needs reps and needs minutes to be in rhythm. So that's a balancing act. Other than that, everybody is up, you know, everybody is up for question as to whether or not they should sit. And I don't know what, see, I don't know if we're going to see rotation and Alvarado and and Brooks back in there and that's rotation, or if we're going to see Alvarado and Brooks and that's their best squad or Klinsman's best team that he thinks he's got, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. If if Bradley does indeed rest and not play tonight, I would love to see Bedoya. Well, in the, in the middle, but a place he's never played for the United States. No, he's never no, 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 he's no. never played in the middle for the U.S. But you want to see Alejandro Bedoya step into Michael Bradley's position? No, 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 not that, not that. Maybe I, I don't it's, know. Mix this group. Well, yeah, I mean, position, you, and then yeah, you saw Mix play against uh, against Haiti. You, they, they, he. More than likely what Klinsman would do if he did rest Bradley, and I don't think he will, but if he did, he'd push mixed disc screwed high into that Bradley position, whatever we're calling that, um, an eight and a half or whatever yeah. the heck it is, and then and then probably play, I, I guess, Kyle Beckerman, who only got a, a, a substitute appearance, or you have um, uh, you have uh, Alfredo Morales in the team. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just wondering, do you think that possibly Jazzy Stardust starts up front? 
I, um, I, I want to see it. Uh, Altidore or yeah. Johansson or who? Who do you think should get out of that? Uh, if I, I think I think we're gonna yeah. see I think we're gonna see Altidore back in the lineup. Uh, and I th- mm. and I think. Well, okay. I think we're going to see Altidore. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, Zardis is one to drift wide, and give you some some width. Um, you know, find those 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 spaces out there. Can be players uh, on the dribble. Can uh, can be dangerous cutting in. Certainly, we've seen him get to the end line, cut back. Uh, you know, with passes. I I, I have no idea. I, I want to see Jossie Zardis start up front. I'm just not sure. I, maybe Dempsey and Zardis together to see how that works. The problem yeah, is the, be, pro- the problem that would is that both of them should, tend to drop off. So you're asking Zardis to stay high. Maybe you're asking him to play a little mm-hmm. back to goal, and that's I don't know. That, that might not. It's not the strongest part of his game, clearly. But with the way Altidore's been playing, you got to have you got to have an open mind to everything. Uh, Roberto, I got to move on. Anything else? No, 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 precisely. And I agree one hundred percent. All right, man. Appreciate the call, Roberto. Right, uh, thank Connecticut, you. Yep, who, thank uh, you. Got an opportunity to go out. I'm, I can't remember who he covered it for. Sorry, uh, sorry, Roberto. Covered the USA Haiti game. Landon out in uh, Salt Lake. What's up, man? Landon, see, Landon, you're the perfect example. You've got a Nova area code, but you live out in Salt Lake City. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Nova. That's why. Right, but you didn't change your number when you moved, right? Because there's no point. No, no, there's no point. I mean, I, I've had, a, I've never had a real like phone number. I've only had a cell phone, so I, I have no problem with you're keeping so, it the same way. You're so millennial, Landon. What's on your mind today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, James, a couple things. One, you know, I, honestly, I don't have the energy to discuss it, but I just at least want to mention it. The game about the game with Colorado and and RSL this weekend was just it's a travesty. A travesty from an RSL just, perspective, certainly, and and from the RSL standpoint, yeah. Uh, by the way, there's uh, uh, there there's that moment, that Luis Gill moment that ha- I'm, yep, I'm that's I'm, the one I want to talk about. I'm done. I'm done defending Luis Gill. I'm done being excited about Luis Thank Gill you. until Luis Gill and, yep. and, I, and I and I still believe he has the talent. That's not the issue. It's it's about his motivation. It's obviously about something in his in his brain because that was not yep. that was not top level professional behavior. I, you just can't no, stand like there. Watch, sorry, Landon. Just for anybody who hasn't seen this, first of all, well, I I don't have the details. Landon, who blew by him? Who was it? I I don't know. Okay. To be honest, I'm not familiar with Colorado's Re- lineup. Regardless, he's got you've got a player on the yeah. right wing. Luis Gill is marking him. The ball is played into the box. Luis Gill turns around, stands there, watches whatever's happening at the goal mouth. And his his mark blows right by him to score the goal, and it's it is a disaster. It is why it's like watching a crash in slow motion, a, a car crash in slow motion, and it hurts me physically, Landon. It hurts me. Yep. Well, it's like, and it's it's one thing to pull that off in a, in a normal game. I mean, that's terrible as is, but it's the Rocky Mountain Cup. It is the RSL rivalry. You are at one one at eighty minutes in. How in the world are you not playing at the top of your game in the last ten minutes of a rivalry game? Yeah, and you know what? Um, I, I, maybe I'm wrong about this, and I'd have to go back and check. But I just get the I, my my gut says that RSL doesn't collapse like that in years past. That RSL doesn't fold, especially nope. in a Rocky Mountain Cup game, Landon. And that's that. If I'm an RSL fan, I've been worried all year. I've been concerned all year. Uh, first, it was no Plata. We couldn't score any goals. Defense was a problem. Now you got midfield issues. Right now, you know, have no Beckerman, no no Sabarillo. You're missing a bunch of pieces. This is the moment when I'm like, holy crap, this thing could be turned. Yeah, no, I've upside down. Yeah, I've I've pretty much I don't want to say given up, but like I'm just just you know crossing my fingers for playoffs, and that's it. Like that's all I'm hoping for is give me at least one playoff game. And then it's like I'm okay. I'm okay with this season, and let's start again. Because right now it's just it's ugly. But anyway, I've got a got a question for you. Um, so right now, if you had to pick anyone in the league, who would you pick for MVP, and why is it Juvinko? <laughs> well, okay. Are we talking? Here we go. This is I'm going to do this this traditional American sports thing, Landon, that we like to do when we talk about MVPs. Are we going to give it to the most uh, valuable player to his particular club, or are we going to give it to the most outstanding player overall in the league? And and I think right now, Jovinko is probably both. I mean, right at this moment, he's probably both. Although I yeah. know I know there are smart people out there who will make a case for Benny Failhaber. 
um, and, and probably a very strong case yeah. for Eddie Failhaber. I think Jovinko, especially, look, they lose that game without Jovinko yesterday, obviously. Uh, and, and they lose it to a, they lose it to a bad team. And he's doing that without Bradley, without Altador. He's basically lifting up what is a otherwise mediocre lineup and, and putting them over the top. And that's why he's the most valuable player right now. That's why he's MVP. Yeah, I was. That game was, and I, I hadn't planned to watch it, and I saw the score. And like, I went back and watched the highlights, and I was just blown away by him. I mean, and he honestly, I don't know if he had an off game, was really doing well. He could, have, he could have got six, seven goals that game. Yeah, and he missed a penalty and, and easily, didn't he? <laughs> he missed a penalty. And it's not like he was trying really hard, honestly. I, I well, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the place is a postage stamp of a field. It's obviously the the yeah. both both sets of defenders were. Abysmal. Kwame Watson Sarabo, who a player you should know, Landon, probably isn't going to be mm-hmm. fe- featuring for NYCFC for quite some time. That was, uh, that was, uh, that was, who was the, who's the, um, uh, it was Liam Ridgewell's first game level bad. It was, it was really, really bad. And, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see if Watson Sarabo is, uh, is featuring, uh, in the future. Got anything else before I let you go? That's it. That's it. Thanks, Tom Jacob. I appreciate it. Landing out in Salt Lake City, rocking the seven hundred three. Even though he's uh he's out in the land of I don't know what's the land of the Beehive State. That's what it is. Mike in Philadelphia, you're on the air. Hey, Jason. So here's the deal. I need you to tell me everything's going to be okay, and I didn't waste money on my tickets when I had bought them for the final, the Gold Cup. I think everything's going to be okay, Mike. I, I really do believe that. I think the United States knows how to get these. They, they may not play well, but they will get the victories when it matters. Um, it's it, it, so much depends on how the 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 bracket you know ends up, Mike. And, and I, I do think, though, if you look at it and you consider the the likely scenarios, that the United States is still going to end up in a position where they'll have their fate in their own hands, and it won't be. It won't be as though they're going to face Mexico in the semis or something like that. I mean, I, I think you're fine. I really do. All right. Well, I, I mean, I guess your expert opinion makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> it's just opinion. really concerning uh, when you see these guys play. And I, I know the, you have the whole segment of there's no real giants left in CONCACAF, but I just don't buy it. Is it possible? And I mean, I've been saying this for years, but it always seems like we're playing down to our competition. Oh, absolutely. And absolutely. we'll rise to the occasion if the team is better. Mm-hmm. But, like, Haiti and Honduras, I mean, I'm not saying stomp on them 6 nothing like Mexico and Cuba or whatever. But I'm saying we should at least be convincing. Like a con- I agree. A convincing one nothing or a convincing two nothing. All right. Well, let's something like that. Let's, I, Mike. Let's see what happens. Concern. Let's see what happens on Saturday. I mean, I, I, tonight's game is tonight's game. It's whatever. The United States doesn't need it. I prefer they don't drop any points. I prefer they get the victory, and I prefer that they look good doing it. But I don't think it's going to inform how the knockout rounds are going to go. So you got to wait till Saturday because that's Saturday in Baltimore where you're facing, I don't know, Guatemala. Or uh, I suppose it's possible that you could face. Um, I'm, I'm looking here. Uh, group C, B or C, third place. So Guatemala is Group C. More than likely, El Salvador, maybe Canada. Unlikely to be Costa Rica. If it's Costa Rica, that'll be a decent challenge. Even though the the Hikos have not played well, those other two t- teams, those are the teams that you need to put your foot down and say, okay, now we're gonna go out and really turn it on. If they don't turn it on in the quarterfinals, then maybe you start to get a little worried because the semis could be a problem. Is there any concern that Jurgen will keep tinkering in those knockout games? Uh yeah, of course, because it's Jurgen Klinsman. Why would you not why would you believe that the man would pick a lineup and stick with it? <laughs> why would you believe that? <laughs> I know. It just uh it doesn't make sense to me, especially when you're in group stage against Haiti. I sort of get it. But, I mean, knockout games, I know they're smaller countries, but it's just, oh, man. I, uh, can I expect more of heart attacks in the future? Uh, yeah, probably. It's, it's what this team does, man. I mean, I would love for them just to, to go out, leverage all of the extra talent, they, the talent advantage they have over the teams they're playing now. 
Well, I mean, that, that, that changes when they get to a level where they're playing Mexico or Costa Rica. I would love for them to be convincing, as we just talked about. But the way that he puts his teams out, he makes it. It's almost like he's he's taking away, you know, it's almost like he wants them to have to struggle to figure out how to win, which is a terrible attitude for a head coach to have in a competition that matters. But he's Jurgen Klinsmann, and this is what he does, and and this is where we are. But he wins. All I mean, right. he well, win- That's the thing, hey, Mike. You got to believe because at least he wins. He won the last Gold Cup. I mean, it wasn't the important Gold Cup, et cetera, et cetera. But he won it. He's he's got you know, and and, and considering how poor Mexico and, and Costa Rica have looked at various points in the tournament, then you got to at least believe that they got a ch- chance to win it, which means. You know, they should take care of business all the way up to the final. And then you'll be sitting there at the link watching the United States play in a Gold Cup final, and you'll be glad you bought the tickets. Well, uh, worst-case scenario, hopefully Mexico can get their act together, and if we bomb out, I can at least sell my tickets on StubHub. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good attitude. All right, thanks, That's a, quite, such an American attitude from Mike and Philly. There you go. 646 832 3909 is your phone number. Jump in here if you have any thoughts on the United States against Panama tonight. Who you want to see step on this field? Not everybody's played yet, even though we had some wholesale changes from game one to game two. So there is an opportunity here for the United States to figure something out. Low-pressure situation, meaning, look, it, low pressure in the sense that you don't have to win the game to book your place in the knockout rounds. You don't even have to win the game to win the group. You've already done that. That job has been taken care of. You scrape by in two matches you were supposed to be better in. You scrape by, you got wins, 2-1, one, one nothing. Here you are. So it's low pressure in that regard. Now it's higher pressure in the sense that you want to actually show well heading into the knockout round so you can convince yourselves and actually build some confidence. And maybe take some pressure off because the fans and the media are pretty right now, are pretty upset right now with the way this team is playing. So what do you do? You're Jurgen Klinsmann. This is your team. You have this roster, which probably isn't the best roster for this tournament, but hey, this is the roster you brought. This is the roster you took. What do you do? Now, Jesse's artist up top. I'd love to see it. Who he's partnered with. Mm, okay, maybe push Clint Dempsey back up there rather than this in the whole thing that didn't really work all that well against Haiti. Give Michael Bradley an actual platform, somebody behind him to help him. If you don't, I, I don't, I, you know, Michael Bradley's not a 10. Michael Bradley's not a 6. Michael Bradley needs to be able to have the freedom to run from box to box, influencing both sides of the ball. If you saw, if you watched that Haiti game, what struck me so much was how often Michael Bradley seemed to be ancillary to the events of American possession. Clint Dempsey's dropping 60 yards from goal to pick the ball up. While Michael Bradley sort of stands there like he doesn't know what to do. Of course he knows what to do. He's Michael Bradley. And yet, in that situation, in that setup, in that with that lineup, he seemed to be just not a part of the proceedings in the way that he should be. He's got to be your most important midfielder, which means he's got to be on the ball, head up, opportunity to pass. Now, give me some width, damn it. Not just overlaps and overloads. Give me some actual width. Give me some, some this is what Zardis did against Haiti, change the game. Can he do that from the get as a striker in this in this uh, setup or in any setup for that matter? What is the best American setup? It's probably not the diamond. It's probably not a anything that leaves Michael Bradley unprotected. It's uh, we definitely could talk MLS as well. Let's go to Edmund in Rhode Island. He wants to talk crew. What's up, Edmund? Yeah, I was wondering what your thoughts are about the crew on the road. They seem like a completely different team on the home versus road. Doesn't this seem like a theme across the league right now? Like, doesn't it seem like everybody's good at home and crap on the road? L.A., good at home, crap on the road. Uh, Montreal, who just beat beat Crew SC, good at home, crap on the road. Um, I'm trying to think of a, of a, couple, of the, a couple of other examples. Um, 
Portland. Portland, good at home. Crap on the road. Gets beat by Philadelphia 3 Uh The Red Bulls are really good at home. Probably not the best on the road. I have to go back and look at their record. You had a couple of away teams winning this weekend. Uh, Houston beating San Jose. Dallas beating Orlando. Of course, no Kaka, no Kyle Laren. That makes a big difference. Uh, beyond that, I guess that's the, the only... Oh, no. Sporting Kansas City beating Vancouver. Um, I, I don't know what's wrong with the crew at, on the road. And I, I don't know if that's more about Montreal and how good they are at home or if it's about Columbus and how bad they are on the road. It's probably a combination of, of the both. And Man... I think I think Emmanuel Pogatech is still dizzy from that that first goal that Domodoro scored on him. I don't know how he missed that, but uh, he just got rounded by Oduro. Yeah, he seems lost out there. I mean, he's a quality you defender. He is a quality defender. Of Santos, who's supposed to come? Yeah, I, I've heard I've heard some rumors. I also heard that that deal might be on hold um, for for rumors that Santos doesn't want to let him go. Uh, so I don't know uh, if yeah, they're in danger of relegation, right? So they need all the help that, that they can get. Um, certainly, you 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 feel like <clears throat> excuse me, you feel like crew the crew need a refresh here, right? You need some sort of extra you need extra bodies first of all, but you also just need somebody with some different ideas to come in. I mean, it's it's not that it's been bad necessarily all year, but you've had those stretches where I mean they went where they went six without a win. They, they've had a couple of wins, three on three or four unbeaten, which is a pretty good run. Uh, beat the Red Bulls and then go up to Montreal and lay an egg. Now they could get right back to it against Chicago um, next weekend, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday. But that game's in Chicago, so and and Chicago just came out came off a win over Seattle. I, I don't know. I think I think Columbus will be fine in the end, um, but you know it's going to be tight. Sure. Fifth place right now. All Ed, right, thanks, Jason. I, I mean, you got. I mean, just give me a sense. I, I mean, I, I don't know if you're a crew, crew fan. I imagine that's why you're calling. But just give me a sense of how you feel about your team right now. Um, I like some of the pieces up front, but um, you know, I don't think we need to have a new captain. You think we do? You do need Maybe a new some, captain. Uh, new leadership. Well, I mean, you gave your you gave the armband to a kid who's not been playing uh, until recently because of. His concussion situation. I mean, certainly that that was a big factor, right? Not having Will Trap was a big factor for for Columbus. Yeah, I saw him at U.S. Open Cup, and he was really impressive. But that doesn't translate into actual league games. Well, I mean, again, I, I don't know how much uh, how how cruel you want to be to the kid when you have your bell rung, and I, it's a terrible thing to say. It's a bad euphemism because it, it 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 minimizes the. Uh, the actual damage caused, but if he had, you know, if he had a a concussion, you got to take that easy. And uh, you know, Chani has been pretty good this year, and Saeed has been a, um, a a good uh, replacement. Uh, but and, and you know, obviously Ethan Finley's having a fantastic season. As you said, the, the options up top are not are not bad at all. Kai Kamara leading the league in goals is just whether or not they're consistent enough. And man, I mean, I'm looking at the lineup they put out against Montreal. There are there are maybe ten or twelve teams in the league that would take this lineup in a heartbeat over the what they've currently got. So I don't know exactly what's going on. Edmund, yeah, appreciate the call, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah. All right there goes uh, Edmund up in uh, Rhode Island talking Columbus Crew. Yeah, three nothing. I mean, just look, just think about this. I mean, Sean Francis. Okay, all right. That's you know that's. Decent player, certainly above. I would put him slightly above MLS replacement level, whatever that means. I'm sorry, Wayland Francis to Sean Francis. Get my Francis is wrong. Costa Rican defender Wayland Francis, pretty good player. Emmanuel Pogatetz and Parkhurst in the middle. At least smart, <clears throat> smart, experienced defenders. Uh, Hector Jimenez out on the right hand side at fullback. A good player. Chani and, and Saeed in the in defensive midfield behind Merrim, Iguain, and Finley. Those are those are three quality attackers in the league, and and again, Kai Kamara leading the league in goals. So that's a good lineup, and they went out and they got th- beaten three nothing by Montreal, and they they blinked and they were down two nothing. Just uh, not a good showing for Columbus this weekend. Jose says, "What uh, roster changes do you see Klinsman making after the group stage?" Well, we'd have to go back and look at the provisional roster, right? And he can make six changes after the group stage. 
does he have actual does he have serious needs where he should be replacing certain players? Have you seen enough from I don't know. I I mean who who's the who are the players that you feel that you can let go and are you going to replace them with better quality? I mean Guzan's going to be with this team throughout the tournament. So you you might change out a keeper. Not no big deal there. Oh, sorry about that. Apparently I need to see an ad right now. I didn't, but uh there you go. Uh let me just look at this provisional provisional roster to see if I can do this off the top of my head cuz I really haven't had a thought about it yet. The names on the list that you don't have in. Michael Orozco, Breck Shea, those def- those are the defenders. You have and DeMarcus Beasley. Maybe you need to shore up your left back situation. You bring in DeMarcus Beasley. You played Fabian Johnson there as a substitute. You played Greg Garza there. He had a howler against Haiti. In the midfield, Joe Corona, Brad Davis, who was swapped out for Garza. Is he coming in after the, the group stage or the, the yeah, the, after the group stage? I don't know. Uh Perry Kitchen, I don't expect him to be called in. Lee Wynn. Could, do you have a spot in your lineup? Do you have a system that works for Lee Wynn? You're not going to make room for him. He's got to fit into what, what you're doing currently. Juan Agadello, Alan Gordon, Jordan Morris. I don't know if he's making a lot of changes here. He might not. We can certainly talk about this more after the United States plays Panama tonight in Kansas City. I'm sure that'll be a good, raucous crowd for that game. Thank you very much to Eric Gomez for joining us today, talking Mexican soccer. Go get... A soccer morning mug at backheel.com slash store. Get yourself a yeah. Get yourself a t-shirt over there while you're there too as well. Some good stuff. And we'll take your t-shirt ideas. Woo! I don't know why I'm moving. It's Monday. Good show. Talk to you guys, the Sirius XM people. We'll talk to you guys over there, Sirius XM FC Channel 94 at 11 o'clock. See ya!